morning. Thank the band. Let's give the band and all the multimedia did a... Praise the Lord, a wonderful job. Hallelujah. Tell me you feel like after the week maybe you had that you know now that God is on your side. Look at your neighbor and say, God is on my side. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. I just feel the spirit of the Lord this morning. God is just a wonderful God. He's doing great things in our life. He's doing great things in this in the church, and I just believe that God is God is up to something big. How many of you believe that God is up to something uh, big in your life? Amen. How many of you, I see some of you kind of cuddling up and you're putting the sweaters on. How many of you cold in here? Is it a little cold in here? One, two, three, okay. Brother, G Brother Jim, you know your job, buddy. Let's give Jim a hand. Yeah. Jim is a man. I love that man. I love it, man. He loves to pick, but he's a good man. Amen? <laughs> if, uh, so do I. So anyway. <laughs> Amen. He's one of the greatest encouragers. I've, I've, been, I've been walking with the Lord a long time, and he's one of the greatest encouragers I've been around. The Bible calls them Barnabas. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. 2 Samuel chapter 5, and we're going to go to, to verse uh, 4, just about eight verses. David was 30 years old when he became king, and he reigned for 40 years in Hemron, and he reigned over Judah seven years and six months, and in Jerusalem he reigned over all of Israel and Judah for 33 years. In verse 6, and the king and his men marched to Jerusalem to attack, to attack the Jebusites who lived there, and the Jebusites said to David, will you, not, you will not get in there, even the blind and the lame can not go in. They thought David cannot, not, David cannot get, go in. Nevertheless, David captured the fortress of Zion, which is the city of David. On that day, David had said, anyone who conquers the Jebusites will have to use the water shaft to reach those lame and the blind who are David's enemies. That is why they say the blind and the lame will not enter the palace. Then David took up residence in the fortress and called it the city of David, and he built up the area around it from the trenches inward, and he became more and more powerful because the Lord God Almighty was with him. Can you say amen? Praise the Lord. This little story in the, in the, old, uh, in the old Testament right now with reading it, uh, might not might not mean much, or might not you might not understand it to the full extent. But it's a powerful, powerful story of how God had touched David and his army as they uh, took the great city that the Jebusites had uh, had conquered and had for years. And so, I want to speak. Uh, just it's not going to be long this morning, but I want to speak. Don't stand back any longer. Don't stand back any longer and allow the enemy to take what belongs to you. How many of you know that the devil 
has stolen things out of our life that belongs to us. That it belongs to us, our marriages, our homes, our, our health, our families, whether our kids are grown or whether they're still at, still at home, whatever it may, our finances, whatever it may be, uh, there's some things that the devil has taken, whether we've allowed him, uh, whatever it may be, that he's taken them out of our life. And I want to proclaim to you this morning that we don't have to stand back any longer and allow the devil to have control over areas of our life. God is the healer. God is our redeemer. And God has great things he wants to do in our life. He has promised us healing. He has promised to financially touch us. God has told us in his word that he's promised to do things in our life. But David decided he was not going to stand back any longer and allow the Jebusites to take the city, which we now call Jerusalem. I've realized over the last 10, 15 years in my, in my life that the enemy will take whatever he can take. And I've also come to realize that if we will stand in prayer and stand on the living Word of God, we can either take back or hold the territory that the devil wants out of our, uh, in our, in our uh, life. And so I just want to say to, to, to you this morning, don't stand back any longer and allow the enemy uh, uh, to take what belongs to you. Uh, we must remember that Jerusalem wasn't always possessed by the children of Israel. It was not even conquered by, and I didn't know this till I started studying the other day, it was not even conquered by Joshua's generation. Although they was part of the promised land, this territory had not been conquered yet. This city had not been conquered yet. Even though Joshua went into the promised land, they had not conquered this city. For, for years, this city was occupied by the Jebusites, and it was their pride and joy. For the enemy who lived inside the mighty walls of Jerusalem, which was the Jebusites, they felt secure and they knew that they had this territory conquered because they had had that territory territory conquered for years. And how many of you know that the devil gets a hold of a territory in your life he don't want to let go? He don't want to let go. If he can get in and he can, he can conquer or he can take a piece of territory out of your life, he don't let go easy. He don't want to just step back easy. He holds on as long as he can hold on. And this is what the Jebusites were doing to this city, which then was not called Jerusalem. David, but David was a warrior. David was a great leader. David was a man that spoke prophetically into the future. That spoke prophetically. We need some men to stand up and speak prophetically. We need some men to stand up and be true men of God. Come on, men. Amen. We need some men of God to stand up and say, uh, we're taking back what the enemy has stolen from our family. We're taking our children back. We're, we're going to see God moving our children and upon our generation, upon the generation to come. And we need some men to stand up and prophetically 
speak over our homes, prophetically speak over our wives, prophetically speak over our grandkids, prophetically speak over the church, prophetically speak if God said it and his word said it, it's set on, it's done, and I'm not backing up, and I'm standing, and I'm not going to take it any longer, and I'm going to move forward through the power and the work of Almighty God. And devil, you're not going to have my home. You're not going to have the next generation. You're not going to have my generation because I'm going to fight and I'm not going to stand back any longer and allow the enemy to take the territory that belongs to me. So David was a warrior. David, is this too loud, guys? If it's okay. I like it a little loud up here. So David was a warrior. David was a great leader and he spoke prophetically. David's name is mentioned 600 times in the Old Testament and 60 times in the New Testament. David, in his heart for God, through his prophetic anointing, David knew God wanted him to take that city, to conquer that city that the Jebusites possessed. At this time in Bible history, there was 12 tribes. Half of them were divided in the northern kingdom. Stick with me. And the other half was divided into the southern kingdom. And these tribes, and these tribes, with, with one being divided, with six of them being divided and the other six being divided, there were family members that were divided into the other tribes that wasn't with the tribes they was supposed to be, that should have been with. There were friends that were divided up in these uh, tribes. And so we had the tribes, six tribes here, and we had the northern and the southern tribes. And right in beside of these, right in the middle of these tribes was this city that David said that I'm going to rise up and I'm not going to take it any longer and we're going to take that city and when we take that city, all 12 of the tribes are going to come together. How many do you, how many you know that whenever God tries to bring unity among the people of God and among a family and among a church, the devil will do everything he can to mess up unity within leadership, within a home, between a wife and a husband, with the children. Whatever it is, the devil wants to bring disunity among the body and David is trying to get these tribes back together and the only way that he can get these tribes back together is to conquer this city that the Jebusites had taken but something was stirring in David's heart something was speaking in the ears of the spirit something was moving upon David to bring these tribes together but this city that the Jebusites possessed set right down in the middle of of these two tribes. So on one side was the northern kingdom, and on the other side was the southern kingdom. But right in the middle, we have this city that the Jebusites have conquered and set up camp for decades. For decades, they had, they had this uh, city. Now, now listen to this. Later, we realize that the city that, that the Jebusites had, it was where Mount Zion would be. It was the city that where Solomon's temple would be built. It was where the Ark of the Covenant was brought back, and the glory of the Lord showed up mightily. 
It was this city that had never been conquered. Again, the Joshua generation came into the promised land. How many of you know that you can come into your promise, but the devil is still trying to lock you up somewhere? But David said, and David, if you study the life of David, David had did great exploits for God. David had David was a warrior. He, he won many battles for God. He did great things. And David could have sat up on his throne and said, you know what? I'm at ease. I have won a lot of battles from the Lord, and everything's going good right now. But David knew it was this one city that hadn't been conquered for decades. That the Jebusites possessed. And he said, if, if I can bring, and, and I can, we can take down this city, then these tribes will come together and they'll be later become the 12 tribes of Israel. The Jebusites made this statement to David. Listen to this. The Jebusites taunted David saying this, You will never get in here. Even our blind and our lame could keep you out. The enemy was taunting David and his military men. The enemy was playing mind games with them. The enemy was throwing up their ancestors, Isaac and Jacob. Remember Isaac? And remember Jacob? Isaac became blind. Jacob became what? Walk with a limp. So he was throwing up David's ancestors, even the blind and the lame cannot take our city. So he was taunting David. He was lying to David. He was doing everything he could to taunt him. How many of you know the devil will taunt you? How many of you like basketball? How many of you like basketball? How many of you remember someone called Larry Bird who used to play for the Celtics? How many of you remember uh, 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 Jordan that used to play for, uh, help me, the Bulls? Well, they used to say one of the biggest, one of the biggest tricks that Larry Bird would play was he would taunt the players. He would, he would taunt the players. And how many of you know he could shoot that ball? He could shoot that basketball. He said he went, they said he would taunt the players. He said he went up to, he went up to shoot the ball one time, and this guy come up to block him. And on the way up, as he got ready to shoot, he said to the man, right in the middle of the game, getting ready to shoot, I am a bird getting ready to fly. Twish. Just taunting him. They said one of the busy, one of the greatest tactics that Larry Bird had, he would taunt the players. He said he, would, he went by a bench one time and they, with the opposite team and he walked by the coach of the opposite team and he said to him, do you have anyone on the bench that can guard me? Because the other one, all the other men out here that you have on court, they can't stop me. Do you have anyone on the bench that can stop me? He would just taunt them. And that's what the devil, that's what the enemy was doing to David. The Jebusites would say, you're not going to take this city, even the lame and the blind. Scholars say that the mountaintop where Jerusalem at this time where the, the city was, was 40 miles long and 40 miles wide. The enemy was taunting David, your family 
can never take this city. Your ancestors can never take this city. Your ancestors before you didn't take it, and you're not going to take it now, and it's not going to be taken into the future. How many, the, how many times has the devil told you it didn't happen in the past, it's not going to happen now, and it's not going to happen in the future? But it's time that we say to ourselves and in our mind and let it drop down on our spirit, this is not going to happen any longer. See, intimidation is the enemy's last hope for victory. The worst thing that can happen to the enemy is for you to realize the power and the promise that you possess. He'll mock our ability saying you don't have the talent or the skill. He'll mock our, he'll mock our spirituality. You're not spiritual enough to contend with, our, with the enemy. He'll mock our past failures, remind you of the times you failed before. Intimidation distracts us. Intimidation throws us off. The enemy wants to intimidate you to the point you lose your focus and you lose your fight. But David knew in his heart, if God helped me win the victories before, God is going to help me win the victory now. I'm not going to take it any longer. I'm not going to see my children this way any longer. I will fast and I will pray until it changes. I'm going to fast and I'm going to pray and I'm going to fight until it changes, Brother Gordon. My children, my grandchildren, whoever it is, I'm going to bring healing in my life. I'm going to fast and I'm going to pray and I'm going to get people to pray until the answer comes. I'm not taking it any longer. Verse 8, this was the words that echoed out of David's mouth. And David said, on that day, on that day, that's significant because you have to come to a point in your life that you say, today is the day that I'm not going to take it any longer. Well, you know, tomorrow I'll pray about it. Or, you know, it's, it's getting pretty bad, but next week I'll, I'll fast and pray. And it, it didn't happen in the past, and it, I'm not for sure it's going to happen now, and Lord knows what's going to happen in the future. But David stood up, and he said, On that day, whoever gets up to the gutter and smites the Jebusites. And David and the Israelites started their journey up the gutter to reach the top. The gutter, the gutter some scholars believe, wasn't but about 20 to 25 um, inches wide. They had to climb up the gutter. Now think about this. This nasty, grimy, smelly gutter was the only way. Now, uh, scholars discuss the gutter in different ways. Some believe it was a big old uh, a pipe that was stinking and smelly and where some of the overflow of the water came down. There's different theories on what the, the gutter was. But the gutter was smelly and stinky and horrible. And they said the only way that you're going to get up to the city is through the gutter. Read your Bible. That's what it says. David made up in his heart, it doesn't matter how I have to get up and destroy that city and the Jebusites, I'm going to do it. For today I start, and today is the day I make up my mind that I'm not going to take it any longer, and whatever it takes for me to get my answer, I'm going to get it. And David said, today we will destroy 
that city. There might be some things that are nasty and dirty and smelly along the way. But if you want victory, you're going to have to fight the good fight of faith. You're going to have to dig in and fight. And you're going to have to quit whining and complaining and fault finding and blaming everybody else. And put your big boots on and fight and dig in. Look at David's attitude. It might be called the city of the Jebusites right now, but I'm going to climb and I'm going to fight through all the nasty and dirty and smelly stuff, and I'm going to climb and I'm going to throw all the nasty and all the dirty stuff aside, and I'm going to fight and I'm going to work my way up that gutter, and we're going to take that city, and it might be called the city of the Jebusites right now, but when we get done, it's going to be called the hill of Zion, the city of David, the city of the great king your family might be messy your family might be dirty you might have things in your life but I want to encourage you you keep climbing you keep fighting you keep praying you keep getting people on your side to pray and seek God I had a preacher to call me the other day and he said pastor he said I've got a uh, grandson, and i got another little girl. And he said, I want you to get on your knees, and I want you to start praying for him. I want you to link up with me. He said, I've got other people praying, but I want you praying with me. You link someone up to pray with you. You fast, you pray, you work, you fast, you pray, and God is going to see you through. If you keep believing, if you keep fighting, if you keep climbing, it's going to be it's going to be a name change for you. Your name is the name change is for you. It's whatever it, whatever you need. The mighty heel of God. Rename. My son is lost, but now he's saved. I'm sick, but now I am healed. I once was addicted, but now I'm free. Don't stand any longer for what stands in your way. By this time. By the time they got up there, scholars believed that by the time they got to the top of that city, that the Jebusites had fled. They had scattered. They had made haste. See, sometimes the devil, most of the time, the devil is nothing but just a lot of talk. I told it four or five weeks ago. I laid on the couch for two and a half months, and you would not believe how the enemy tormented my mind. I come to tell you this morning, there was not one thing, not one thing he told me that's come up, that has come, up, has come to pass in my life that what he told me. He was taunting me, brother, brother Gordon, just lying to me. He would just, he would just taunt me. You're gonna, you're gonna die. And he just kept taunting me and taunting me and taunting me. Well, I want to let the devil know that I, he, when he told me, you know, you never stand on that platform again. I want to let him know publicly, and I say it loud. I'm here this morning preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're a liar, devil. Devil, you are a liar. Your grandkids are coming to God. Your kids are coming to God. God is going to heal your body. Your marriage is going to be healed. We can take this city. 
He just taunts us, lies to us. When we get that doctor's report, he just taunted David. Scholars believe that they even, they even made, uh, made statues and put of, of lame people and statues of they did the eyes of the blind, and then they would set them old lanterns up all the way on the wall of the city where, where David and his army could see it. They were just taunting him. Day after day, he taunts us. It's not going to happen. But I want to tell you, you're going to have to stand up. and You're going to have to say, I'm not taking it any longer. There are voices from the top of the Jebusite city saying, you'll never be free from addiction. You'll never be free. You're divorced and your, your, your granddaddy got a divorce and your daddy got a divorce and now you're going to get a divorce. I, I curse that lying spirit. There are voices from the top of the Jebusite, Jebusite mountain and city say, your son and your daughter will never change. I curse that spirit. There are voices from the top of the Jebusite city saying, you're not good enough. Look, nobody did anything in your family. Nobody mounted to anything and now you're not going to mount to anything. I curse that lying spirit. There are voices from the top of the Jebusite mountain saying your granddaddy was broke. Your daddy was broke. Now you're going to be broke. It's time that we stand up and say the devil will say they didn't take Stanton. The enemy controlled the drugs in Stanton. The enemy controlled pornography in Stanton. The enemy took our grandkids in that generation. I'm going to take them in this generation. The devil says I'm going to take it in that generation. It's it's time for us to say and arise up. I'm not going to take it any longer. I want you to lean in because I'm going to close with this. And I want you to realize how significant it was for David to conquer that city. And bring those 12 tribes together. I want to show you how important it was that David didn't just sit back and say, Well, you know, uh, uh, I'm, a, I'm a king now and I've done great things for God. And God's used me greatly ever since I've been a shepherd boy. So things are going good in the palace now. And they can just keep that city because we have all this other land. No, David said, if, I, I want that city too. The city belongs to, to me. The city belongs to the Lord. And because David just didn't set back, listen, and allow the enemy to take that city, listen to this, and I want you to lean in. I want to close with this. They believe that when David cut off Goliath's head and carried it, all the way outside to the city of Jerusalem, which we now call Jerusalem, which then wasn't called Jerusalem, that they conquered the city that I'm talking about, which at this point was a non-Israelite city. Again, even though it was in the heart of the promised land, that up to this point no Israelite had conquered it. it could it be the head of Goliath acted as a security deposit for David's larger achievement later taking that city that the Jebusites had control over. 
which was called the city of Jerusalem. And how many of you remember that when David cut off the head of Goliath, he took it and hung it on a pole? Scholars believe that it was on a pole right outside of this city that years later that David conquered. Which is part, which in part was later called, listen, the place of the school. The hilltop that David conquered, that the Jebusites had, which is translated Calvary, which was later we see as Golgotha. Why was Jesus crucified on a hill known as the place of the skull? They believed that Goliath's head was buried somewhere on the hill of Mount Calvary. Lean in. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, we have the first prophecy of the coming of the Lord Jesus to be our Savior of mankind. I will put hostility between you, Satan, and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. And he shall crush your head, and you shall bruise his heel. The crushing of Satan's head is our first clue as to why Jesus was crucified on Mount Calvary. The significance of Jesus being crucified on Calvary, the place of the skull, was to show victory over his enemy. Satan fulfilling the prophecy of Satan thus fulfilling the prophecy of Genesis chapter 3:15. As the nail would be driven through the heels of the one crucified, the prophecy of Genesis 3.15 also was being partially fulfilled when Satan would bruise his heel. The nail would go in his heel. The reminder of the prophecy was fulfilled as Jesus was lifted above the place of the skull, crushing the head of Satan. Jesus was literally in a position over his enemies and over the giants of Israel. I wrote down, through a man called David, cutting off of the head of the giant, carrying it back to the city of the Jebusites, letting them know, I will be one day, I will be back to take that city. Man, I feel the anointing. One day, it might not have happened right now, but if I've killed the lion, and I've killed the bear, and I've took the head of Goliath, I'm going to carry that bloody head all the way back to the city that the Jebusites have. I'm going to put it on a stick, and I'm going to let them know that one day, I'll be back. One day, I'll be back. One day I'll be back. One day you might be winning now, but one day I'll take that city. And prophetically we see that David said, we no longer will stand for it. That city belongs to me and it belongs to God. And later it was called the city of David. It was called Zion, the city of the great king. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. To imagine the dead old head of Goliath, the scholars believe, some do, that was buried on the hill of Golgotha where they put the cross of Jesus Christ to let the devil know, devil, you didn't win in the Old Testament. 
And you're not going to win with our New Testament church. You didn't win in the Old Testament, and now I'm a born-again, blood-bought, covenant-filled, Holy Ghost-filled Christian, and you're not going to take what belongs to me. I'm not going to stand for it any longer. If, uh, if through the Old Covenant by David showed that I had victory into the New Covenant on the hill of Golgotha, if I had victory then in the Old Testament, I'm going to stand and say, Devil, you're not going to have my promises any longer. Don't just lean in and allow the enemy to take what doesn't belong to him. I'm a child of God, blood washed and love Christ. There's things in my life, my children, my grandchildren, my family, the church, the city belongs to God. It don't belong to the enemy. You keep praying for your kids. Well, you know, Pastor, they've been, sometimes people just get all over me, Lord. Well, Pastor, I just, I don't know. It's been like this for this long, and I don't know if it's going to change. And there's stuff over and over. It might be like that now, Brother Gordon. It might look like that right now. It might seem like that right now, but don't take it any longer. You get in your prayer closet. You get a hold of this, well, Pastor, that's, that's old stuff. Well, I, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to stick to the old stuff. If it, brought, if it brought my old grandmother through and it brought my mother through, it's going to bring me through. Oh, if it brought my old grandmother that they say we'd get on her knees and go and be in church every, every time the doors was open and get a hold of her Bible. It's, if, if it took her through, if it took my mom, it's taken my mom through, and this old word, and on my knees and fasted and prayed, it is going to get me through. It's going to get me through. The lies of the devil just taunting you and lying to you. Devil, I'm not going to take it any longer. I'm going to take the city that belongs to me, whatever that may be, the city of the great king. And it's so prophetic that David, that David said, I'm going to take that city. And later, all the prophetic things that we see happening. Jesus on Golgotha and, and, and all the prophetic things. What if David would have said, I'm closing with this. What if David would have said, once again, I said it a little bit ago. What if David would have said, you know what? I've slain the lion, I've slain the bear, and I've slain the giant. I've done great things for God. Whatever the devil's got now, he can just go and let him have because... Because I've, I've, I've did great things for God. But he didn't decide to do that. He said, I'm going to take every bit of territory. It belongs to me right down to the last thing, devil. You remember one thing, devil. You're not going to have any of it. You're not going to have a quarter of it. You're not going to have half of it. You're not going to have three quarters of it. And if you are in here, if you do any carpenter work, if you heard of a 16th and a 32nd, in the 32nd less than the 16th, Brother Jim, I think somebody's going to have to help me there, okay? So, so, so devil, you're not going to have a quarter of it. 
Okay? You're not going to have an eighth of it. You're not going to have a sixteenth of it. And you're not going to have a thirty-second of it. I'm getting everything that belongs to me. Every bit of my healing, seeing my family come to Christ, seeing God move in this church and touch this city, it belongs to me. Let's stand in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Musicians, very quickly, every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. Father, we thank you. Father, you are good, Father. Lord, we stand. We stand outside of the, the city that so many words belong to us. In that city is so to speak, is our healing because we know it was Mount Calvary. We know our family, our whatever the situation is financially, whatever. We all got our own things in our life. But God, this morning, we know that you're for us. You're not against us. We know the enemy is taunting us day by day. They got that bad doctor's report and you're going to die with cancer. You got that bad doctor's report, and this happens. And you, you get the report of the children, and children, and well, they're never going to change. My nephew's never going to change. My niece is never going to change. My mom and dad, my marriage, whatever it may be, my health. But I stand today and say, Father, we stand in the need of prayer. God, we're believing by faith. We're going to go after it. We're going to take our old-timey Bible. We're going to hit our prayer closet. We're going to fast. We're going to say we're not going to take it any longer because it belongs to us. And what significance it will mean in the future if you tarry, if we say we won't, we won't take it any longer. What is it going to mean for us to stand up and see our children worshiping God? What is it going to, what is it going to mean to see our families put back together in unity? What is it going to be, God, later in the future if you tarry? Father, we thank you. If you're here this morning and you say, uh, Pastor, I've allowed the devil, and you, you're going to lift your hand up with me because yeah, I've allowed the devil to take some land and some property that, that belongs to me. And If you're here this morning, just raise your hand. I've, I've allowed the devil to take that. I've allowed the devil to take it, and I'm not going to I'm not going to take it any. I'm not going to take it any longer. I'm not going to take it any longer. Not gonna take it any longer. He's, he's, it's it. I draw up, draw it in the sand. It belongs to me. It belongs to me. The lies of the devil is done with. The lies of the devil is over with. If God can move in the Old Testament upon David and work such a prophetic thing, and under the new covenant, He can do it for me. And I'm standing on it in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you this morning. I thank you for these wonderful, godly people. God, they could have been at any other church this morning. They could have been doing any other thing. And I thank you, Father, that they chose to come to the house of God here this morning. And Father, I'm asking you, if it's any of them, any of them, Father, uh, that are walking lukewarm before you, Father, I believe most of them here, God, are walking with you. But if it's any of them that, are, that might be cold or might be lukewarm with you, I'm asking you that this week, God, that they draw closer uh, to you and walk with you and touch you. And Father, we thank you through the power of the Holy Spirit. We thank you, God, and I, 
I thank you for what you're going to do and what you're going to continually do. Amen. If you'll just raise your hands up, and I, I want to pray a blessing over you this morning. Father, I pray uh, before they leave that, God, that you would, you would bless these beautiful sheep. You would guide them, and you would lead them, and you would protect them, and your blessings and your face would shine up on them this week in Jesus' name. Bless you in the name of Jesus. Praise God.